Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime, MC here, and today's particular episode that we are discussing is the anime Big 3 and the legacy of the, of the Big 3. For anyone that doesn't know what the Big 3 anime are, at one point they were considered to be the very pinnacle of Show and Jump and how Show and Jump magazine came to be in the spotlight. Notable, these shows were One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach. Yes, there's some arguments that Bleach was beaten, Naruto was beaten, and top sales, yada, yada, yada. But generally saying, the consensus of the anime community... A lot of people referred to One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach as the big three. A particular reason why I'm doing this episode, One Piece is coming to an end, so I think it's finally a good piece to talk about the big three and the legacy that each one has presented to the anime community, since Naruto has actually officially ended and... Naruto is continued with Boruto, but Boruto is Boruto, not Naruto. Naruto already had his moments in Shippuden and Naruto. So it's really a continuation. Maybe Naruto as Hokage, but Naruto as Hokage, he's already achieved what he wanted, which the series was aiming for anyway. But anyway. Uh, One Piece with the Wano arc is coming to an end. You know, Kaido versus Luffy. All this other stuff is coming to fruition. Now, before I get into specific things with Bleach, Naruto, and One Piece, and the legacy, there will be spoilers in this particular podcast about the big three one piece naruto and bleach so just be aware of that because as i talk about the legacy i'm also going to talk about the ending and how they are ending as well so it's going to have major spoilers for the ending and it's also going to have spoilers for plot in the middle and beginning so you kind of have to take out a grain of salt this is why I'm saying this is going to be spoiling content. Because each show deserves its own talking point. So, let's talk about, uh, I believe, Naruto. Naruto ended before Bleach. So, and it's, ironically, in the timeline, Naruto is what we're talking about. Naruto... There was two different variations of Naruto. They were still the same little branding. We have the original Naruto series, which was really young Naruto, to Naruto Shippuden. Naruto Shippuden continues after with the Itaksuki and the Great Nin- the Fifth Great Ninja War and all this other stuff. Well, Naruto began with. Naruto growing up in the village, Naruto being a Jinin, Naruto being on Team 7, 
and the brief introduction of the Atoxki. So let's talk about Naruto. What were the moments in Naruto that were very special, very highlighted? Well, I'm a bigger fan of Naruto than Naruto Shippuden. My reason for this, that Naruto really felt light-spirited. It didn't have, like, super heavy moments like Naruto Shippuden did. It had a lot of humor. It provided good enriching details for the audience. You grew up with the hatred of the village. You had all the different levels of the, you know, the village. Naruto's perseverance. Dream to be Hokage. Uh, you know, the troubled kid getting all the attention. Uh... Acting out to get the attention. Really trying to find who he is. I think it did a really good job of doing that. You know, as we also seen. We see Naruto. Uzumaki. Basically, grow up. Work as a team. Be part of Team 7. You know, have different mentors with Kakashi. Uh, the Toad Sage, Sanjin, you know, Sanjin, and all that stuff. J Jiraiya, you know, his, you know, later influence being those, and then, you know, of course, his, uh, the Academy, and then growing up with it, and all that stuff. So it really goes to show you that, you know, Naruto gained the surrealness to it, I guess, is what I can call it. It grew on people. It had that level that really didn't expect and overall provided good details that people can relate to. Also, you know, Naruto started... It, he wouldn't be on Team 7 without, you know, unfortunately learning the forbidden technique of the Shadow Clones. And to Naruto's surprise, he could make a hundred Shadow Clones. And that was his specialty. See, oh, a hundred Shadow Clones, that might sound not enough. A lot of people have only make like maybe three to five shadow clones at once. Naruto, he has a lot of chakra reserves. Chakra is the power system that they use for ninjutsu and jinjutsu and taijutsu. Uh, mostly ninjutsu and ninjutsu. Because these what these techniques are relying on is the chakra network and the different releases that you do with it. Naruto, he has a wind-based chakra reserve. And... Even though his is wind solely, it took a long time to figure out what he wanted to do with it. Because now he also has a Rasengan, which is a change of chakra nature. And the Rashan Shuriken, 
which is not only a change in formation, but change in, in wind release and all this other stuff. So, you really see Naruto training in this resort, all to the eludence of the fox that's sealed within him as a Nine-Tails Jinchuriki. Kuma, the Nine-Tails uh, Biju, is a deity that's very destructive, very hated, and it's just very, over the centuries, a pain to deal with. Tail Beasts are an entity in Naruto that they're just a huge chakra reserves and they're just spirit monsters that wreak havoc. The only way to actually like secure them and actually tame them a bit is a Jinchuriki. Jinchuriki get the the Biju gets sealed with inside them within a sealing technique and the the deities inside them. But the Jinchuriki Chakra from the tail beast can leak out and have like different what we call tail modes. And uh, throughout Naruto, you actually see lots of the tail modes, like the one tail, two tails, three tails, you know, the, up to the five tails a lot of times. You know, the, when you start boiling the blood and all this other stuff, because those forms of outer anger. And when you use power and misuse it in that way, it has negative effects. If Naruto went truly berserk, then the main problem that we will have would actually be the Junchuriki dying as a result of it. They're not properly um, using the tail beast in a symbolic relationship. It's really the tail beast using the anger to get out to take control in a way. Because it's in their nature to seek, maybe not seek habit, but use anger as a way to ex to release the bonds that hold them inside the body of the Jinchuriki. They want to get out. They don't want to be there. They're, they're in a prison, in a person. So when they're sealed away, they want to try anything to get away from it. So they use anger in the Jinchuriki as a way to do that. So, you also have to keep in mind that In the original Naruto series, Naruto has to learn not to only overcome the uh, fox, because him and the fox don't get along. He has to start bonding with Kuma in a later date, which is uh, Sh Shippuden. Shippuden, he has to bond with the fox and actually have the nine cloak. The Nine Tails Fox Cloak Mode and all that stuff. You know, because power scaring of him at this time 
He doesn't know much. So his shadow clones was a specialty. Uh, releasing the red cloak of the Nine Tails Fox, which is just blood boils and he produces fangs and he becomes a berserker. He has no control because he's angry. And then he also has the Rasengan during this time period. He learns to perfect it and gets it better and all this other stuff. But there's not much in Naruto's arsenal in Naruto. It's more like a building block what is to become in Naruto Shippuden when his arsenal becomes a lot more versatile and actually more accepting. So that's Naruto in a nutshell. Uh, Naruto Shippuden... We see a really different side of Naruto. Um, we see... Well, the legacy of uh, Shippuden is pretty straightforward. We see... Um, we see him grow up. We see him mature. He's not the kid that he used to be. Yes, he's... the He's was spontaneous and erratic person he was before but now he's also pursuing Sasuke because you also have Sasuke at the end of Naruto for a long time being missing to Uchimaru and the curse mark so there's a lot of development on Naruto not giving up on his former teammate and having Sai come into play and actually being not so good in that transition. Because Sai is not really... He's a spy for the Donzo. Which is the underground... Uh, Ambu organization. Which is looks in the shadows. But they do like convert missions and stuff. But yeah, Sai is a spy for Donzo. Which is connected to that underground network. That protects the leaf behind the scenes. Kind of thing. So yeah, they know his true intentions. They know that with the fake demeanor that he's sarcastic and gets on the nose. But you also have to pursue Sasuke. You know, you see the different plot points that Sasuke's involved with. Because it takes a lot. He becomes a rogue ninja during this time. And... You really see the struggle to get him back. I mean, you see in Naruto, but you also see Sasuke defeat Naruto and get away. So, when you really look at it, it continues off where it left before. To find Naruto, Sasuke, bring him back, and it fails. And this is where it starts the entire plot up to the first great shinobi war with the Itatsuki, Madara, the Ten Tails, and, you know, eventually uh, Obito, and then uh, Kagura, and then Zetsu as well, like Black Zetsu taking over and controlling Madara to do the... Uh, Oh gosh, the Rasengan. Not, yeah, 
not the West Sengan, the visual eye jutsu. Yeah, Rasengan. The visual jutsu, you summon, yeah, the five lives, you summon a life, reincarnate it, and uh, give Mardo an actual body, which Obuto did, and then they become the Ten Tails Jinchuriki and all this other stuff. But, you know, from that transition, Sasuke is put in the back burner when the Atoxy takes becoming more of a threat. Because the title time of Naruto to the end to the beginning of Shippuden, the Atoxy are on a journey to take all nine tails, tail beasts put into the ghetto statue and actually turn them into the ten tails. Because at one point, uh, the Ten Tails was just wreaking havoc from the Ohisuki clan, coming from like the spoon or the space, I think. But having all these basically starting the entire Naruto universe with the, you know, the. But no. Starting the entire Naruto universe in Chakra. Taijutsu and ninjutsu, jinjutsu, all that stuff. Because um, during this point, you know, we go back to Naruto during the first Great Ninja War. Eight of the nine uh, tailed beasts were sailed away and, you know, basically would do wood release, which is Oshoma, Oshirama. And uh, there was a, a peace negotiations to give each village during that time a tailed beast, since tailed beasts were seen as negotiation chips to give to villagers for a source of power. Because a tailed beast is very powerful. So when each village or some villagers got one, it's kind of like alluring to the fact that what each village wanted in the peace negotiations, which didn't last long because the second ninja war, but that's besides the point. The tail piece was very vital in the Naruto plot and it gives to the great legacy because it's, it's who Naruto is. He's a Tintos Jinkuriki, at least half of Kuruma. The other half of Kuruma comes later in the reincarnation of Minto Saving Naruto's life when the Jin, the Nine Tails Jinkuriki is extracted from him. So he dips his half into him to save his life. This is like a blood transfusion, but like... I don't know. But anyway... Naruto, his final form, he gains... Um, He gains, like, the six paths. He gains the trusting of Kuma, the Nine Tails Cloak, Sage Mode. He trains with Jiraiya to achieve, you know, being a Sanjin of the of Toads, Toad Sage, and learning uh, how to control Sage Mode, which is Chakra from 
natural chakra. You absorb it and then you use its power and you have like dilated eyes as orange. Um, and then toad summoning happens so you get like a different toads to do different things like sailing jutsus and oroboko and Mount Onoboko is what it's called. So then you also have the legacy of Javaya dying. So it kind of goes into play there. So you need to keep in mind that Javaya dies, Pain has to be fought, which Naruto defeats Pain. Pain defeated Javaya. So, you know, the entire village is attacked by Pain. We see the different Eight Tails mode, I think, from Naruto, because he just becomes furious. And we really see a lot of growth. Even though he learned how to perfect stage mode, uh, he wasn't good at, he still didn't have the nine times cloak that he had, so the pain, the fight was his pain was very limited, but he still was able to do it. And also we see a lot of utilization of the clones of the, you know, learning how to use the Rasen gun, Rasen Shuriken, having sagements at Mount Buku, and then summon them and then use their chakra that they were reserving. A lot of, there's a lot of Koei attacks that Naruto uses with the, the clones. So he uses the clones to his advantage. Decoy, underground, distract the enemy, tire out the enemy, etc., etc. And then we get into um, six paths. He has the different, all the different. Uh, Genkai Genchai, Koromoa releases, you know, the two orbs, the Orthopath, all that other stuff. Sasuke has similar stuff too. I think uh, the most powerful form that we have seen thus far in the Naruto universe, not Naruto Shippuden, is uh, Bakion Naruto. When Kuma gives up, up everything, but he achieves total power, and for a limited amount of time, it comes with the risk of losing Kuma. But it gives Naruto so much that the the chocolate actually burns the opponent and all this other stuff. Now this is another fight with Anasuki. Which was uh, the partner that Kagura tried to kill off all the way back when she came to the Naruto universe. But Bakion Naruto is probably more like one of the like pinnacle of his power level. So his the legacy of Naruto is to take from this. You have a coming to age story. Want to become a Hokage. Fight all the way to the Toxki. Defeat the uh, Suzuki of aka Kagawa. And then, you know, becomes the Hokage. Marries Hinata. You know, because that love arc kind of blossoms and it. He didn't realize until pain that Hinata was maybe the one for him. 
Sinner always had a crush on him, even in early Naruto. It's really weird that he didn't do it like that and approach her sooner, but that's plot development. But strategically speaking, Naruto becomes a Hokage. He starts a family, and this is where Boruto generation next uh Boruto the next gen Naruto next generations come into play. Uh Anasuki's still a threat. They still coming back. But we get more into the lore of Anasuki, like more than what Naruto explored. So we get that. And we get a lot like I think what like four at least four to five more Atasuki members. Kinda crazy. Uh Sasuke's the leader is the takes the place of Donzo, protector of of the in the shadows. So Sasuke gives Naruto uh Hokage, even though Sasuke is actually more powerful than Naruto. That's been proven. But it's always been his dream to be Hokage, so he has it achieved. And that's kind of the end of Naruto kind of thing. Yes, Naruto is still a continuation in Boruto, but the legacy of the dream being met is there. Naruto fulfills his dream. He's the Hokage. He starts a family. He settles. He doesn't settle down because he's still finding Anasuki, but there's a lot of substance there. He's like 30 years old now, and that's kind of where the story lets off. And that's the legacy behind Naruto. So that's Naruto. The next one we're going to discuss is Bleach. Oh, boy. Because Bleach is really different. I think Bleach, I'm going to talk. Since Bleach was all one continuous uh, anime, I'm going to talk about the different arcs with Bleach and the character development that happened with Ichigo Kurosaki. So... The legacy of Ichigo. Well, Ichigo is a half soul weeper, half human. He has, and he's also a, uh, he's a, hang on. He's also had, he's like, see, his mother was half Quincy and half human. His dad no, his mom was Quincy, and his dad was Soipo. So she's half human, half Quincy, and then uh, dad is Shinigami. So he's like half Shinigami, a quarter human, and a quarter Quincy. So that's kind of where his power comes from. Quincy we don't see until like later in the Thousand Year arc about Quincy. So keep that in mind, you know, we only see the Shinigami side come out. So, let's see, when we first introduced to Bleach, we have a battle of high spiritual pressure. 
because of Ichigo's family heritage and blood, he has a very high spiritual pressure. And what is spiritual pressure? Well, spiritual pressure in this ask in this specific situation is the spiritual energy that the person possesses in the body. So almost every uh, being in bleach has some sort of spiritual pressure to perform tasks like Shinigami, power-related attacks, special abilities that you fight with, so it really goes down to, you know, race, what you do with those powers, and all that other stuff. Because in Bleach, there's different races, like Quincy is a special type of human that uses Reishi and convert it into energy. And when they hit, you know, uh, wrong cause... The grim creatures of uh, dark, the soul eaters, that which is the antagonist anyway. They destroy their soul. Soul reapers uses reishi to purify souls. So that's kind of the difference of Quincy and Soul Society. You see that in the show, the hatred and all that other stuff, and the. Uh, Quincy almost being wiped out, yada, yada, yada. Then we have, like, the meta-humans, which is, like, uh... Not the meta-humans. We have... The bounce. We have... Which is... Which use ratio to summon dolls. We also have the people that... The... Uses objects... And that object uses Reishi, the spiritual pressure, to release the object. Um, we have a couple more. We have a long cause. There's a couple of them that you need to be aware about. But you see all the different races and the supernatural being like super heavy. We are introduced. The Soul Society arc is where Kuchi, you know, he wants to go into the Soul Society arc. He comes to the army and overall wants to do things that to get, what's her name? So, basic history. Um... We have, let's see, we have the substitute, aka Asian of Shinigami, where Ichigo meets another Soul Reaper. She gives powers to him. He can't. She can't defeat the, uh, the Hollow. Yeah, Hollows, the Soul Eaters that eat human souls. That human tainted human souls have become. Because lost souls is kind of what. Uh, Bleach deals with. So we had the substitute 
an agent, agent of Shinigami when he's in the human world for a little bit. He gets trained how to use Shinigami powers. But he doesn't truly awaken Shinigami powers. Because technically the person who awakened his powers... Uh, kind of gave her own powers to Ichigo. And Ichigo was a substitute Shinigami because of it. But he loses those powers. They cut off his connection. So he has to... In the Soul Society arc... Build up his own Ichigai powers. So he gets training to go to the Soul Society. He succeeds in capturing uh and capturing himself to be a Shinigami. So now he has his own powers with his own sword. It just went Yeah. Then we have the Bount Assault. Uh, Bount is like vampires in the Soul Society. They were forgotten race of humans that were experimenting with Reishi. And they live, they kind of live very long time. However, this is because of explosion in Soul Society where all the souls were tainted but had like a similar power to Shinigami, except they summon dolls and they suck human souls for substance and nutrition to stay alive. But usually bounced on this time were um, using dead souls. So it wasn't a... A big deal. They knew about them. They were, you know, declassified and all that stuff. But generally speaking, they didn't really wreak havoc on the light living souls. They were feeding on dead souls. So dead souls were not as were not as seen. They were not as seen as treacherous as living souls. But when they start doing living souls, they got a lot more power. Because Bounce, when they feed on more living souls directly in it, they have these uh, mosquito-like dolls that just feed on every soul possible. They want to go back to the soul society because they were always denied that chance to be accepted. The soul society rejected them, and that's why they went on this assault. And Ichigo is caught in the middle of it because he's on, he's in Kagawa Town, and this is where it all happens. And so society gets involved, and they get into the fight before they get to the portal to go in there. But you know, it's a fellow. This is after the rescue art in the Soul Society, because uh, she was going to be executed. The Shinigami that gave Ichigo's power. And, you know, as a result, Eisen was the one manipulating everybody at the end. So he goes into the fifth year plane in Hecomundo. I mean, he has two followers with him, two different other captains. 
Yeah, a lot happened in Society Arc. It was a building point for the story. Bound Assault, not bad. Explores more of, you know, if the Soul Society would be rejected on this other stuff. So, here we go into the Iran Core arrival uh, scenario. So, Eisen's now filling up a plan to basically do an invasion of Cogwa Town, capture the Soul King, and all this other stuff. And Ichigo is there when the first Iran Core come on the scene. Uh, these hollows become more advanced to so become fine like Shinigami. And they get to these different levels. They have Zanpato like sword releases, which is just released in their true form, to be honest. So we get into that more. And then Ichigo gets to meet with a new, uh, another. Uh, Uh, hollow that took his mom's life and kind of it's a big story I think Grand Fisher Grand Fisher is now like an Arankar level um, hollow and he has a giant sword and he's even more powerful than he was before and he can talk now because a lot of times hollows have this sentence of ranking within Hecamundo that you know Vonka is like the top level you can be. So. And then we get to the Heko Mundo invasion. Uh, Itsomi is abducted. Ichigo has to do a rescue party into Heko Mundo to rescue her. Uh, Aizen notices her special ability of healing. And uh, it bends the reality. Basically like goes back into time to previously when you're not hurt. So that's really great power that he takes notice of. And then during this time, Aizen forces uh, go back into the invasion part with the fierce fight in the weird town for Kagura town and how much source you can get with, this, with it. Chicago Town lies on the border of a great, um, what's it called? Pinnacle to to the Soul King. So if you capture Chicago Town, you have the catalyst to break the dimension plane of the Soul King, and that's what Eisen was going after. So you kind of see his form progress because he has the training from Soul Society. He has the substitute. He doesn't really do much of the substitute, but Soul Society arc, you kind of see him do the training as a Shinigami. And then also with uh, Heko Mundo, we also saw Society, we see glimpses of the uh, Hollow Mask, which is uh, Ichigo with that form, and he comes berserk. Because he also has an inner hollow inside him. Because of, I think, of the hollow that attacked his mom. Kind of thing. So it still was, it's in his body. He's become, a, he's under hollow vacation. 
So we have that, and then he fights that. He comes into the hollow. Wesley's Hinigami. And then we have the new Captain Shusuke Aramagi, which is pretty straightforward. And then we also have the Ronko versus the Shinigami. We have the 100 Years Back, Battle in Kagura. Then we have the 13 God Squads of the Incursion, the Gote Invading Army. Then we have the Lost Agent and the Thousand Year Arc. know it's kind of interesting how we see Ichigo kind of take his stakes and be the anti-hero of the thing he, he's rogue Shinigami but Soul Society lets him win rampant because of the fact that he a substitute there's been other substitute Shinigami in the past that served Soul Society really well and have done really well in that aspect uh, kind of thing. In the wrong car, you got the visual, the Shinigami with hollow powers, Eisen's betrayal continues, you know, the attack the human world, Oi Hime has to be rescued. Uh, we just, you know, we see the different levels of him dealing with being a wizard and vacation powers so we really see that being at the end of it then soul society is uh snake entry arc and then the rescue arc um so katsuchi has to be rescued and then we go into uh new captain shatsuki Marco. It's it's a, a Von card to introduce Shatsu, which places Gin, who sides with the Eisen's faction. We kind of see the backstory of um, how Shatsuki Aramagi in the human world gets banned because of the beginning portrayals of Eisen during this time. So we see a backstory of the Vizard. The hundred years back. Um, then we go back to the battle of Kagawa. It's kind of interesting because you see a lot of history with it. And then we have the alternate tale of rebellion. Uh, Zanpak tells spirits rebel, and it's up to Ichigo to stop them. Ichigo has to battle his own Zanpak toe and ultimately have to use his holification powers to do it and all this other stuff but we had a wrong car we have a time skip uh ichigo gives up ultimate power he he gives up ultimate power to defeat aizen as a result of his shinigami powers and then we also have the the court inclusion the invading army arc which is i think Another fellow. The lost uh, substitute Shinigami. Struggling to recover his powers. He's still feeling like he's left. Uh, Kujo Ginjo. 
Yeah, Vuki was the one that gives him the powers in the first one. During this time is the Fullbringer arc. So Ichigo learns how to be a Fullbringer, and then he actually actually still has his Shinigami powers. Uh, so when the anime returns, should be too much filler. Yada yada yada. Quincy are back. They render a hidden invisible empire because war in the Soul Society. Plenty of fights and battles. Basically, we see Ichigo take on his true power during this time. Uh, his Quincy side, Holification side, and Shinigami side all coming together in one final form during the Great Quincy the Thousand Year War. So we see more of the Quincy's now taking part of Soul Society and how their different and ideological ideas battling it out for supremacy. And the Soul King being, once again, being the root of the problem. Soul King is a dimension that holds all realities together and without him there, it messes up everything. So, one final note, Ichigo's legacy is he bring, he sets his own path. His final form is very powerful. He has like the different hopification, the hollow mass, the Shinigami. Uh, his Bankai release is another one that you have to keep a, a, an idea for. Uh, you know, he becomes angry, he becomes a hollow, and once you become a hollow, you it's really hard to go revert that process back, but he gets it done anyway. Um, so yeah, the thousand year arc is kind of him controlling everything and being able to do what he needs to do. So the legacy of Ichigo, never give up, be yourself, fight with what you believe in, and overall combat the obstacles of the supernatural that get in your way along the way to be able to deal with the threats and uh, protect humanity, you know? He embraces what Shinigami becomes and... That's what he fights for. He fights hollows and then he has to fight Quincy's to protect the order of this quote unquote status quo. So you can say Ichigo is an ancient is an agent of control and an agent of battle in quote I speak. So and he's also one of the, like, the five pillars that hold great power in the thin, the 10,000, the 1,000 year arc. But that's a lot more in the story of that one. That's how he becomes. And uh, you see along the way his Zanpakuto, learning from the Zanpakuto, the different training he does to ignore more power ups. Ichigo is pretty solid in that area. Now we go to the one piece. Luke, Monkey D. Luffy. 
he ate the gum num no fruit, which is mostly the human human fruit, but we don't get that until much much later. So most of the story, we believe that he's a rubble man. He can stretch his body and be immune to bullets and cannons, but weak to blunt objects like swords and stabbing techniques. So he can be cut, but he has immunity to bullets and cannons and and some physical attacks that he can absorb. And he's a counter to the rumble rumble fruit, which is lightning powers. So there is that. So he embraces the properties of rubble. And uh, it's kind of interesting when he uses his powers because he has like gear one. Gear, no, gear. Gear two becomes super fast. He starts boosting up his speed. So he becomes like he attains the flash step and stuff like that. Um, which is uh, one of the great powers, the six powers that in this lobby use martial art technique. So he does his own. Then we have like uh, Gear Three. He becomes gigantic proportions. And then later he learns hockey. Then develops hockey with his gear four and gear five, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, One Piece. One Piece is really interesting because it's longer than Ichigo than Bleach and Naruto, unless you want to count Naruto plus Naruto Shippuden plus Boruto. However. It's longer than Naruto Shippuden and Naruto together. Boruto is Boruto. It's separate on its own, so I'm not including it in the list of episodes. It's a it's a thousand plus chapters. Still ongoing. Uh, it's just finished up Wano. And people being super hype about that. But the one thing to understand about Luffy... Luffy is an agent of fighting. He's an underdog. He's the type of pirate who strives to get the One Piece and achieve the the greatest freedom that one pirate can have, which is attaining the One Piece. The One Piece in the anime is... Gold D's Roger's greatest triumph and treasure that he found when he reaches when he reached Raftale at the end of the Grand Line and the New World. Basically, if you achieve One Piece, you would create the greatest title of the Pirate King and overall you be at you reach the to- most freedom you ever will experience. Once you, once you become the, the pirate king, everything else is minuscule. Is that powerful of a title? You reach just a high enough in your point in your life that nothing else can surpass it. 
since why Goldie Rogers starts the great pirate era to find the One Piece and the treasure that he so rightly found because he was the pinnacle of the pirates during that time period. So, he's a, he's a legend and infamous. And all different characters have different influence of the Pirate King. Whether it's mentioned or not, they take influence based on the total freedom of the greatest treasure that you can find as a pirate. And the greatest title that no one can take away from you. And also, pirates are a threat to the world government. The world government dates back like hundreds, like 800 years. We had the Void Century that they want to cover up, the Well of D, uh, you know, the, the Ancient Weapons, which is uh, Poseidon, Pluto, and Uranus. So we have those to combat. We have Sea Kings to combat, Joy Boy. Uh, all about, uh, the Pontoglyphs, Town of Raftel, the Great One Piece, the Ancient Weapons, the, you know, they just doesn't want all this stuff to happen, and they're in, like, different situations and hierarchy that, you know, has to be protected, because, uh, I think the hierarchy of the world government is the Shokai, the pirate warlords. Then we have the Navy Marines. Then we have the Admirals. Then we have the Grotese, the Gordi, uh, being the five interventional influences of the world government. Then we have like CPO zero to the CPO nine, which is the elite. Behind the scenes, which answered directly to the Holy Land of Merujwa, which the uh, nobles, the celestial dragons, live. Uh, celestial dragons during this time are nobility so great that they were in the original founding of the world government that challenged the ancient government during the time of the Void Century. And the government, at any cost, will preserve its rightful crown and prestige. And anything of the Void Century is erased from history. Except for the Poneglyphs. That's, that's why they said that the study of the ancient language and Poneglyphs is forbidden. That's why Nico Robbins... Island was wiped off with a buster call. Um, so there is that. And then the uh, power level of pirates, we have the worst generation, which includes Luffy, Law, Zoro, uh, Kid, you know, Killer, and all these other people that, you know, just in a long time. All these big names are all young, so they're called the worst generation. And then we get into the pirate warlords, of course. And then we get into the uh, the Yonkos, emperors of the sea, pirate emperors. These include Whitebeard, 
at one point. The original Yonkos was Shanks, Red-Haired Shanks, Kaido, Big Mom Pirates, and Whitebeard Pirates. And then Blackbeard becomes a Yonko himself. Luffy is quote-unquote a Yonko in itself. I think because of misinformation and they want to level up him as a threat more. So by giving him the the fake title of Yonko kind of gives him like more position. Because uh, Luffy is an ancient of the people. He is... He frees anyone he wants. Um, he goes against the real government, what they stand for. He's a rogue agent, basically. He don't care. He, you know, he goes against Crocodile, which is a corrupted warlord. You know, against uh, Joker, which a.k.a. is Don Flamingo. Taking the under, entire underground enterprise with him. Um, Gekka Moria. The villains that Luffy faces are really bound by their philosophy, their um, over-agenda, their evil deeds. The real government has to accept it because being who Luffy is, being a change for the worst or a change for the better... And just being a reason for change in morale of pirates in general and people who oppose the world government, he's a threat. Because he has the power, he literally has the power to change someone's mind. He, can, he has the power to turn people to his side and rally them behind him and support him from afar. That's the true power of Luffy. That's what he does. You know, and his power level is really interesting because, um, you know, he has the different level level techniques that he uses, which is the gum gum fist and all this other stuff. But his powers are really interesting because no one truly expected this obscure paramecia type devil fruit be as powerful as it is like the powers of rubble and being able to stretch Luffy is really creative with how he uses his powers um, he forms the straw hat pilots, pirates which is his um, affiliation but he also has the ninja pirate mink samurai alliance uh he forms this alliance and doing punk hazard to combat um yeah he combats what Joker and Kaido were doing with the artificial devil fruits and then the pirate side of the alliance actually become more in dress Rosa when he all these different pirates were being imprisoned by Joker and being able to fight. So the Pirate Alliance comes from them, plus Law on this time. The ninjas were the Katsuki family, 
who were overthrown by the Shogun and, uh, you know, the rightful heir to actually what Wano was. And then the Minks <laughs> had a lot of uh, eyeliner potential with the Kansuki family anyway, so it made sense for them to come along as well. We have like the Donna family, uh, impelled down. He's a pirate, captain, prisoner, and a bandit. He used to be a bandit. He's from the East Blue Phoenician Village. That's pretty much that. So. It's, uh, okay, so physical abilities, despite being a small physical stature, he has significant physical strength to match him. Unorthodox training methods to make him stronger, leave him alone in the wildernessness, make him to fight monkeys, trying to him to do the baboons or float away, throw him in a bottomless pit. Rigorous training during a harsh environment. Notable example was a uh, when he used his foot to block a stomp, yada, yada, yada. Amazon Lily, and then, yeah. So he had utilized his devil fruit gears to tremendously increase his physical strength. So, two powerful enemies like Bruno, Rob Lucci, and Don Flamingo. Giant Squad with a single gear three punch. Um, let's see. You know, he has like gear two, he becomes super fast, and, you know, faster, and high punch jet pistol and stuff like that. Gear three becomes a giant. Gear four um he becomes a the bounce man. So we see that. Because then he's able to use different levels of hockey and he obviously bounces everywhere for high progression and uh it's just a very extreme form of hockey imbued with his rubber body. Uh, let's see. Year five. Transformation from the awakening. Yeah. So that's gear four. Then we see a gear five with uh, the transformation from the awakening of the Gumano new fruit, which is the human-human fruit uh, monkey Combination. So, final battle with Kaido on Skull Rooftop. He's his the awakening of the Governor No Fruit becomes uh, the Hita no Mi um, Model Model Nika. Grants the Yuba rubber like body, increased physical strength and freedom, limited only by the user's imagination. It's for this reason that the user is said to become a, the warrior of liberation fight however they please and bring joy to those around them making the most ridiculous power in the world so this when luffy awakens his devil fruit to the hitonomi the the nika model he becomes a warrior of liberation this is what the world government has uh don't want him to do uh, heartbeat takes on musical rhythm, which is described as, as the drums of liberation. It's his tongue white. 
His eyes glow with the white ring-like pupils. White clowns form around his neck. Of steam that accompanying the Ophora. The amount of hockey released from this form was enough that it could be felt all the way to the live floor in like a swallowed dome. Knocking multiple beasts out of the process. He's a mythical, mythical zone nature of the new form. His already rebel body gains strength, freedom, and durability. That's the best way he could from his previous forms. Uh, something out of the picture book. So, yeah. He basically has, like, I don't know, cartoon-like powers to bend reality and, uh, whatever imagination he has in the battlefield, he can make it happen because that's what his battlefield can do. So he's become a paramecia type. The true form is actually the mythical zone. The government hides this ability of him, and as a result, they didn't, that's why when Red Hair Shanks took this fruit from the world government, the CPO, CPO Zero agent that was on that ship was basically marked as a traitor, put in and held down because of his failure two years ago with Luffy so many years back. So when Red Hair Shanks took it and Luffy ate the, sh the fruit as a child, the fruit had great meaning. And, you know, people were a long time wondering, Red Hair Shanks knew that that fruit was highly valuable. So it's safe to assume that it was important to the world government and he knew it had value, but no one truly knew that it was the Hika, Hika Nika model fruit. So, by the government changing the name, basically uh, eliminating the fact that this fruit is so much more dangerous to humanity and to the world government for what the world government stands for, because guess what? Luffy has a special power to bring in allies as a warrior of limit. Liberation, he liberates the slaves, he liberates the, the people who feel oppressed, and totally shake up the entire system of the world government. Luffy is the pinnacle of what the world government stands against. So, that's kind of what uh, Luffy's legacy is. He'll be forever known as the Warrior of Liberation. Standing against the world government and overall achieve total freedom of the great of the One Piece. So, in conclusion, to Naruto greatest form, Bleach's final form, and Gear Five for Luffy. Safe to assume, you know, Bron Kurama is pretty powerful, but it comes with the loss of Kurama. Uh, Ichigo's greatest form is his Soul Reaper, Hollow, and Quincy powers all together. And that transformation was like a half horn kind of thing. And being a pillar, and his greatest form, what he's known for is a pillar of change, 
in that he's destined for. Luffy is gear 5 with his awakening form of the Nika model, Hikonomi, and the Warrior of Liberation. So, Luffy will achieve One Piece one day, but until then, he has to find it. Naruto already became Hokage, and Ichigo has protected everything he knows to protect, which is family and friends, and overall a liberator, an agent for war. So, these are the legacies of the big three, and how the big three shaped the anime world. Um, these series have been running for so long that they're very synonymous with the anime community about people knowing the big three or knowing that at one point, you had to know these big three. If you didn't know it, you were, like, shunned by the anime community. But that's not the case anymore. You don't have to know these big three to hold conversation with people. Now, the big three, you know, being Naruto, One Piece, and Bleach, kind of holds them to the fact that people at one point hold this these three animate to such high regard because of the very popularity at the time, the influx of characters, the long for standing history at Shodan Jump. Yes, because these were so long in publication and uh, syndication, so longly syndicated that. These have very immense stories that they can tell within the writing and manga drawing for Shonen Jump magazine. So that's another reason why they were called the Big Three, because it was just so long of the Shonen Jump franchise publication at this time. So keep a note, as you know, even though I discuss what the legacy is and the different characters that did within each one. I really giant jumped into what Naruto was before with Naruto and Naruto Shippuden. Bleach overall throughout, you know, Ichigo Kurosaki's journey. And overall, Monkey D. Luffy's journey of being, you know, this great powerful being at the great near stage of death, achieving great power. So, I would rank... Uh, Boyan, Naruto first, then the final form of Ichigo with the Quincy, Soul Reaper, and Shining, uh, and uh, Hollow Horrification form, and then Luffy with Gear 5 and the Awakening form of his Nika Fruit. That's how I rank them by power. But the overall legacy of each one is known for different things. We have the ninja who wouldn't become the great Hokage. We have the soul reaper who would protect his friends at all costs and overall the natural order of the supernatural. Protector of, you know, literally a protective figure. And Luffy, Monkey D. Leaf, Luffy being 
the the outlier of pirates and fight for what he stands for against all odds and be the warrior for liberation to unite people in similar ways to being oppressed. So Luffy fights the oppressors. Ichigo fights the balance of the supernatural. Naruto fights for his friends and for the village of the Hen of the Grass and Hokage title. So these are the roles of Monkey D. Luffy, Ichigo Kurosaki, and uh, Naruto Uzumaki. So I hope that you liked this particular episode of the Big Three and the Legacy and the ending of the Big Three. I thoroughly enjoyed discussing these three anime, the legacy and the power forms of each character. Keep in mind that you should like any anime you want. Just because uh, people say the big three, you don't necessarily have to like the big three. They're just the big three are very notable for being so longly published in Shodan Jump. That's basically what it's synonymous for. Do not forget to subscribe to NCMA Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. Be part of the Blog MC Anime on Patreon, the MC Animator Community. Signing up to post early episode, possible Discord benefits, uh, vote in polls, Patreon messages, and overall possible guest appearances on the podcast or ideas for podcast episodes. Thank you so much. This was a very fun conversation. Hope you guys totally enjoy it. Over and out. And it was a very great success to talk about this topic. Thank you so much.